Hey guys, Willie Mayette, creator of Jazz Edge. Welcome to the Confident Improviser podcast. This is podcast episode number 31, and we are continuing uh, today with our Confident Improviser in Four Steps kind of mini course. This is step two. We're going to be talking about ingredients, and I have here scales, enclosures, target notes. Oh my. So we have a lot to talk about. So uh, if you missed part one, let me just briefly remind you in this series, I'm going to give you real actionable material that you can use and practice. So this isn't just samples. This is real stuff that you can actually use. Uh, and this is great really for all levels of player. You're going to see that there's going to be some stuff that's going to be easy, some stuff that's going to be more intermediate, and stuff that some stuff that's going to be a little bit more advanced, all right? So obviously, wherever you're, you are and you're playing, just you know focus on that stuff and look at the other stuff as a, uh, you know, uh, something to strive towards. The emphasis is on piano for this, but remember that these ideas are really about improvisation on any instrument, all right? So this is great for beginners of any instrument that want to learn how to improvise. Be sure to check out all of the other videos in this series just by going back to jazzedge.com slash free. All right, so today we are going to focus on ingredients. Last time we focused on the accompaniments, this time we're focusing on ingredients. Now, if you want to get the sheet music to uh, what it is that I'm uh, demonstrating here in this video, just go ahead and click on the link in the description if you're watching this video on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, if you're a member of the site, then you could just uh, get it right in the podcast area and you can grab that sheet music very easily. All right, so. First of all, the, from TCI exercise number one, remember we played that simple bass line before, right? And now our ingredient is this five finger minor scale in the key of C. So first of all, let's just back up for a little bit and let's talk about, well, what are ingredients? Like, so why are we talking about the word ingredients? Why don't we just simply say scales? Well, the reason, the reason for that is because we're not always going to utilize scales. Sometimes we're going to use chord tones. Sometimes we're going to do enclosures. Um, so it's not always going to be a scale-based improvisation. And I don't want you to think that improvisation is only utilizing scales, right? You could be using, utilizing clusters. You could use quartals. You know, there's all different types of things that you can do uh, in your improvisation. So it's best to think of it as ingredients. This is the stuff that I can use, put it together, and then come up with some interesting improvisation. All right, so what I'm going to do here is, let me just uh, put on my cursor here so you can see. So the five finger minor scale is the same thing as the five finger major scale, we just flat the third. So our five finger mi major scale is the first five notes of the C major scale. Now, don't worry, if you don't know your scales, I cover them in depth in my Piano Essentials course. So if you need help with your major scales and the fingering and all of that, you can just take a look at Piano Essentials. It's right part of Jazz Edge Core, so you can get all of that fingering and all the notes and all of that good stuff. All right, so anyway, five finger scale for C major is C, D, E, F, and G. Five finger minor is C, D, E flat, F, and G. So all I'm doing is I'm flatting that third. So the first thing you want to do is just practice the scale going up and down like this. Now if you want, you could do it with both hands as well. It's a great technical exercise. And if you really want to work technique as well, go opposite. So start with the pinkies and come in.
Right? So you can have a lot of fun creating sounds with that five finger minor scale. And I'm going to show you in a little bit how you could practice this and some different ideas for practice, but let's go ahead and move on. That's our five finger minor scale. All right. The next one, which is a little bit more intermediate, is the full C major scale. So we have C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. All white notes from C to C. The fingering is this. Thumb on C, second finger on D, middle finger on E, cross underneath with the thumb on F, second finger on G, middle finger on A, fourth finger on B, and then finally pinky on C. And then when you come down, cross over, middle finger back on E, right? You want to make sure that when you're practicing this scale, you're utilizing that grab technique, and that is all found within that Piano Essentials course. Okay, so that's your C major five finger scale, C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. When learning your major scales, it's really, really important that you know how to spell them. And I don't mean spell them like M-A-J-O-R-S-C-A-L-E, no, I mean spell the notes of the scale. So the C major scale is what notes? C, D, E, F, G, A, B, C. And you really want to start to know what note of the scale the, uh, each of those notes are. So the D is the second note, E is the third, F is the fourth, G is the fifth, A is the sixth. What's the seventh? B, right? So you want to really get to know those scales. Um, I'm not going to dive into why that's super important, but I will tell you this. If you want to master improvisation, you want to be a good improviser, you have to know scales inside and out, right? And that major scale, so much theory is pulled off of the major scale that it's really important that you really, really know it well. Okay, so now let's move on a little bit more advanced. The, uh, the next two examples are from TCI exercise number 21 and 22. Right. Um, all right. So the first one is my D major scale, which you'll see it says works over E minor seven and A seven. All right. We'll talk about that in a second. All right. So D major scale is D E F sharp with the middle finger, cross underneath with the thumb, G A B C sharp with the fourth finger, and then pinky on D. So it's D E F sharp G A. B, C sharp, D. There are two sharps in the key of D, F sharp and C sharp, okay? So, you do not have to go that fast. You can go nice and slow. Now, the other scale is the C major scale, okay? So you can see how we will prepare things in one exercise and then they'll come back again, right? So now you already know the C major scale. We've already talked about that uh, just a few seconds ago. You can see that that scale works over my D minor 7, G7, and C major 7. Okay, so now let's talk about what, what does that mean? E minor, like D major works over E minor and A7. This is a 2-5-1 progression, okay, or part of a 2-5-1 progression. So if we take a look at uh, our progression uh, number 21 from TCI number 21, this is what we talked about in the last lesson, right? So this progression is that E minor 7, A7, then D minor 7, G7, C major 7, okay? So that E minor 7, um, uh, uh, A7, that is a 2 Five progression, okay? Meaning that it is a, it'd be a 2-5 in the key of D. Now here it's listed as a 
five, seven of two, because that's technically what the progression is. It's, it's operating as a three chord here. And I don't want to dive too deep into it. I do dive into it in exercise 21. But for this short lesson, just let's just keep it uh, top level for right now, just so you can kind of understand it quickly. So a two, five, one progression is this. Let's take a look at it in the key of C. So my one chord is C major, my two chord is D minor, three is E minor, four is F major seventh, and then my five chord is G7. So if I go from D minor seven to G7 to C major seventh, that is a two, five, one progression. These chords that I'm playing are called diatonic chords, right? Or diatonic seventh chords. Again, fully explained inside of the members area, but your diatonic seventh chords, real quick explanation of it is forming a chord on each note of the scale, utilizing only notes from that scale. So you see here on C major, I'm only using the notes of C major, so it's all white notes. If I move to the key of, let's say F, it'd be F major, G minor, because I have a B flat in the key of F, A minor, B flat major, because it's B flat, C7 with the B flat, E minor seven flat five with the B flat, F major. Again, that's called diatonic seventh chords. All right, so anyway, back to, uh, let me get the right one here. All right, so back to this. So D major scale works over E minor seven and A seven. If I'm in the key of D, and I play my D major scale, the two chord is E minor seven, the five chord is A seven, and the one chord is D major seven. So anytime I have that two, five, one progression, or even something that looks like a two, five, one progression. Remember how I said it was operating as a three, five, seven of two to two, and I know that, that analysis, it might be a little over your head, don't worry about it. All you're looking for is that minor chord going up a fourth to a dominant, or going down a fifth to a dominant, however you want to look at it, and then going up a fourth again, to another chord. It might be major, minor, dominant, doesn't matter. But when you see that minor chord moving up a, to a dominant chord, up a fourth or down a fifth, that's a two, five progression in jazz, right? So E minor to A7, that's a two, five. F minor to B flat seven, that's a two, five. G minor to C7, that's a two, five, and so on and so forth. D minor to G7, that would be a two, five. So anytime you have that 2-5 progression, you can utilize the major scale, which is the major scale of the 1 chord, right? So again, if I'm in the key of C and I have 2-5-1, that means when I play the D minor 7, the G7, and the C major, I can improvise using just the notes of that C major scale. Now, you might have heard, if you've kind of been in jazz circles, oh, you use D Dorian, G Mixolydian, C Ionian, right? Those are the modes and the correct, you know, uh, uh, modes for those different chords. Well, guess what, my friends? D Dorian, G Mixolydian, and C Ionian are all the notes from the C major scale. So I remember when I was first learning, I learned that too, the Dorian, the Mixolydian, all that. And then I, uh, a, a teacher explained to me like, well, you realize that's all just notes of the C major scale. I was like, ding, oh, hello. Thank you very much for that. It makes it so, so much easier. All right, so now let's get into some secret sauce of jazz, enclosures. Now, before we can talk about enclosures, I need to talk about target notes. So when we are creating an improvisation in jazz, oftentimes we want to target certain notes. And many times we will target 
our guide tones. Again, all of this is explained fully in the Confident Improviser, but to give you a brief summary of it right now, guide tones are typically the third and the seventh of the chords, right? So typically the third and the seventh of the chord, those are our guide tones. Sometimes we'll also add in the flat five if it's a diminished chord or a minor seven flat five chord, but the third and the seventh are our guide tones. So that means if I was trying to find the guide tones for D minor seven, well, that would be F and C. If I'm trying to find the guide tones for G7, that would be B and F. And if I'm trying to find the guide tones for C major 7, that would be what, my friends? E and B. Exactly. Okay? All right. So, the guide tones help to uh, give us structure in our improvisation. Another way of thinking about it is, uh, you know, pilots, when you're going from, say, New York to Los Angeles, Okay? They don't fly in one straight line. Okay? Typically what they'll do is they'll do waypoints. And a waypoint is they might fly from New York to Philadelphia, and then Philadelphia to Chicago, and then Chicago to, I don't know, Salt Lake City, and then Salt Lake City to Los Angeles. So they hit these different waypoints. Sometimes they're stopping, but sometimes they're not even stopping. Sometimes they just go to those different waypoints uh, because they just don't necessarily always fly in a straight line. So those waypoints give that direction, right? And it makes it easy for them to know exactly where it is that they're going. They follow the different waypoints. So you can think of the guide tones in improvisation as being those waypoints. When we hit the guide tones, when we have the chord, you know, like when, when the chord strikes, right, then beat one or beat three or whatever, and we're hitting the guide tones, when that chord hits, it just helps to make our improvisation sound that much stronger. Some of this I'm going to get into in lesson three and four. So if you don't fully understand it right now, don't worry about it. I just want to present it to you so that you kind of have a understanding or at least a basic understanding. Guide tones, those are our target notes for right now. We can target other notes, but it's best to start with targeting our guide tones. Now, we have three different enclosures here. You see, I also say et cetera here because there's many more than three, all right? Um, uh, and then as a member, you can download all the music and you can see all of the enclosures written out and listed for you. Anyway, though, here are three different uh, enclosures. So I'm utilizing the note B as just a example target note. Again, I can target any note on the piano. Any of my 12 chromatic notes can be a target note. Here I'm just thinking about B. So I could go a half step above, half step below, and then target the B. I could also do a half below, half above, target the B. I could do a half above, double chromatic from below to the B. And now you can see how. So now we start to get sounds like this. Now, can you hear how that's a lot different than just right, Can you hear how when I... You hear that chromaticism in there? So here I'm utilizing my chord tones for D minor. And I do, and I do that enclosure there, and it sounds really cool, right? Versus just doing.
right? Or rather than just go, Rather than just running the scale up and down like that, utilizing those enclosures adds some chromaticism to my playing. And that chromaticism really sounds cool. Okay, all right, so now let's move on here. Let's talk about some different practice routines. Number one, practice each scale along with its proper fingering. So just start by practicing that C minor finger, C, C five finger minor scale, right? that with its proper fingering, which is simple, one, two, three, four, five, okay? If you want to get a little bit, you know, advanced with this, try playing that five finger minor scale somewhere else, on D. What about on E? Do it on G. So try fingering them out on some other keys, okay? So practicing, you know, the five finger minor scale. Do the major scale, C major scale, right? Price the D major scale, right? So practice your C major scale and your D major scale. Okay, so why should you practice these different scales? Because in the next step, we're gonna be talking about rhythm and we're gonna talk about how we can add rhythm to these ingredients to create our improvisation, right? So just to kind of help you see the whole, uh, you know, how this all goes together. We start with accompaniment, then we talk about the ingredients, and then we add rhythm to those ingredients, and now we have an improvisation, right? So we want to make sure that we really have those ingredients down well, right? So the five finger minor scale, and the C major scale, and then also the D major scale, okay? So practice each one of those scales with the proper fingering. Number two, Try changing up the order of the notes, okay? So nothing says that you can't kind of move on if you want to. Now, if just playing the scale alone is more than enough for you to practice right now, then fine, then just stay right there. But if you want a little to get a little bit more advanced, all right, so rather, rather than just move it up and down on the scale like that, So you see, I could take that five finger minor scale and I'm just trying to play around with it. Here's the thing, when it comes to improvisation, usually what stands in a student's way of being able to improvise at the piano is their own mental garbage, okay? Like hands down. It's not that they don't know how to play the notes, they don't have enough technique, they don't uh, understand theory, you know? Uh, like all of that stuff can be taught and learned. It's, it's pretty simple to understand the theory, you know, especially if it's broken down properly, the way I'm doing it in, in the Confident Improviser. If you follow the Confident Improviser, I guarantee you're going to understand the theory. It's broken down extremely well, step by step for you. Technique-wise, I give you all the technique as well. So really the only thing that stands in students' way is them thinking, oh, I can't do this, or them making it more difficult than it needs to be. Don't do that to yourself. Like I'd like to tell my students, put the whip down or that little guy on your shoulder is like, you know, you're bad, you're bad, you can't play. Just brush him off or her off and just say, you know what, I'm just going to try this. And a great way of doing that is start with that five finger minor scale and just play around with it. Now, when doing that, remain patient with yourself and understand this isn't going to sound like some 
fabulous improvisation right away. Okay, we gotta, we gotta build up to this. So just taking that five finger scale and moving it around like that isn't gonna, you know, somehow magically, you know, make you sound like Bill Evans or Keith Jarrett, right? Or whoever your favorite pianist is. But what it will do for you is it will start to break you outside of that mold of thinking like, I need to play the scale up and down, and if I don't do it exactly like that, then I can't do it. No, changing it around like that helps you to get a little bit more free with your playing. Now, you can do the same thing with the C major scale. Okay? So with that C major scale, you can take that C major scale and you can break that up as well. Alright, so now to break up the C major scale, it's the same, same rules apply, right? So I could start on my C. Now, one thing you'll notice and one question that I get asked a lot when uh, uh, you know, telling students to break up a scale, especially like the C major scale, is do I need to keep the fingering consistent? No. So there is basically two ways of looking at fingering at the piano. You have your scale fingering for technique purposes, right? So C major scale, I'm going to play that scale up and down, it's one, two, three, I cross underneath, one, two, three, four, five. I didn't create that fingering. I have no idea who created that fingering. It's been around for eons, all right? So uh, people have been playing that, uh, that scale with that fingering for literally probably hundreds of years. Um, the fingering works well for most players, okay? And that's why it's a very standardized fingering. And what you will notice is when playing the, the, the scale up or down, you're probably going to want to use that fingering. But when you improvise and you're now kind of moving that scale around, you're usually not going to improvise by playing like... Right? You're usually not just going to play that scale up and down like that. Normally it's going to be more something like... It's probably going to be something more like that, right? I'm kind of playing around with the scale, moving the notes around. So there's the second way of looking at fingering. So I said there were two ways. The first way is more for technique and learning the scale, but the other way is improvisation. And when we are approaching improvisation and we're thinking about utilizing our scale in an you know, improvisation uh, manner, the fingering can be whatever we want. Okay, so that means that I might literally put my fourth finger on F. I might go four, three, two, one, starting on F, then four, three, two, one, starting on G, then four, three, two, one, starting, uh, so four, I'm sorry, four, three, two, three, right? That's what I should be saying. Four, three, two, three, four, three, two, three, four, three, two, three, right? So you see, I'm just playing this little pattern going up and I'm using my fourth finger, middle finger, and second finger. I never hit my thumb in there. I'm not playing that fingering that I played when I played the scale, okay? So the point is this, that when you improvise, you could change the fingering around, right? You do not have to keep your thumb always on C and then cross underneath and hit your thumb on F. No, 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 you don't have to do that, right? Uh, in fact, you, you most of the time don't want to do that. You don't want to limit yourself like that. Okay, so now, number three, 
Practice the enclosures over different chord qualities. This is more for my advanced level players, okay? So just start by doing the half above, half below, okay? And then go half below, half above. I'm gonna show you a great exercise right here. This is a C7 chord. I have C, E, G, and B flat in the left hand. So I'm gonna start in my right hand by targeting each one of these notes. I'm gonna target the C, I'm gonna target the E, I'm gonna target the G, I'm gonna target the B flat with my enclosures, okay? So each one of these chord tones is going to become that target note, okay? So I start half above C, half below C to the target, and then half, half above, half below to the E, half above, half below to the G, half above, half below to the B flat, and then half above, half below to the C. The notes here, in case you're listening to this, it's D flat, B natural, to C. F, E flat, to E. A flat, F sharp, to G. B natural, A, to B flat, and then D flat, C sharp, whatever, B natural, to C. Okay, so that was half above, half below, to the target. And then you can go down by going half below, half above. Fingering wise, there is no set fingering for this. I don't use my pinky on it. Here I'm going three, two, one, four, two, one, three, two, one, three, one, two. Three, one, two. Three, did I say three, two, one? So three, one, two, right? Four, two, one. Three, two, one. Three, two, I'm sorry. Three, one, two. Three, one, two, okay? And then coming down, I'd probably go one, three, uh, two, then one, four, three, to get my second finger, two, Four, three, two, four, three, one, three, two. But you could play around with that fingering. That is not a set fingering. You know, you can you can play around with that. These enclosures, though, are super cool. All right. So now that was just over a C7 chord. I can then do this over a D7 chord. Now, where does this go? Where do we go with this? Well, now we can start to... See how we can start to build these lines? We start to build these lines that bring in this chromaticism utilizing these enclosures, okay? And I'm gonna show you more of that, like I said, in part three and part four of this series. But for right now, just try practicing those enclosures over different chord qualities. Chord quality, what does that mean? It means, is it major, is it minor, is it a dominant? So that means you could also do this over major chords. You do over your minor chord. Oops. So you see how I can practice those enclosures over my minor chords, over my major chords. Now, if you're doing the math here, right, you've got three different major chord qualities or main chord qualities, your major, dominant, and minor chord, 12 keys, that's 36 keys, right? It, it could be a lot, right? So 
don't, you know, take it easy on yourself. You don't have to go crazy and trying to do this in all 12 keys. If you've got the time, the energy, and you want to do it, trust me, it's, it's only going to help. But if you don't have a lot of time, you're kind of pressed for time, just try doing it over just a C7 chord. Just try doing it over the C7, C major 7, and the C minor 7. I didn't do the major 7, let me do the major 7 for you so you can see it. And you could also just go, hold there for a minute. You don't have to go fast. Okay, it's not about speed, it's about accuracy. That's what you're looking for. All right, finally, try playing these ingredients over the accompaniment patterns from lesson one. Like I said, we're going to be doing that in the next parts of this. So if that's too much for you, then don't worry about it. But what you could do is you could kind of get started now if you want to. So let's remind, uh, let's just go through and uh, 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 let me remind you the different accompaniment patterns. So this was the easy one, right? Just the simple bass line there. So now again, what you do is, in, the, in today's lesson right here, we take this uh, uh, five-figure minor scale, right? See how it says from TCI exercise number one, okay? So we take that five-figure minor scale and we can improvise using that scale over this bass line. Next one is our simple uh, 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 root three, root seven, root three, root seven over a C major, A minor, D minor seven, G seven. This is from TCI exercise number eight. And uh, rather than skipping back, I'll just tell you we were utilizing that C major scale, so that I can go. just playing the C major scale and just kind of playing around with it, kind of trying to come up with a little bit of an improvisation on that, okay? I could also just play the scale up and down. Just to kind of get the feel of the scale while playing those chords, okay? Now, if that's a little too difficult for you, hang with me for a second because I'm going to explain something to you. Um, as to why that probably will be difficult. And the last one, of course, is the E minor 7, A7, D, G, C. This is the more advanced one. So on the E minor 7 to A7, you could use, utilize that D major scale, like I was saying. And over the D minor 7, G7, you could utilize your C major scale. Okay. Now again, it's a little bit advanced, so uh, if that's a little bit difficult for you to be able to improvise over this, let me explain this to you. It might make you feel better. Now, first of all, I have been teaching improvisation for decades, and I've uh, been teaching improvisation. I started like literally decades ago with my jazz kids program, and this is where I was teaching kids as young as five years old how to improvise. So if I could teach a five-year-old to improvise, I could definitely teach anyone older than five how to improvise. Younger than five, eh, okay, might, might be a little bit tough. But you're never too old to learn to improvise, and you can always learn to improvise regardless of what skill you have. 
okay? So if you go through the Confident Improviser, it's so simple, it's, it's, it's almost like co copy and paste, right? You just kind of fill in the blanks there, uh, and it's, all, it's almost done for you. So here's the challenge that I have found in improvisation and, what, and how improvisation is typically taught, right? It's how I was taught. So what will happen is in, in improvisation, let's go back to this example here from TCI-8, right? You got C major 7, A minor 7, D minor 7, G7. So then, uh, you know, a teacher in the past would tell me, okay, that's your Ionian scale, your Aeolian scale, your Dorian scale, your Mixolydian scale. Whoa, four scales I have to remember for all of this, right? So I'm trying to remember the scales. And then they start to throw in, there are, are avoid notes as well. There are notes that you don't want to hit in the scale. And I got to be honest with you, it confused the heck out of me, right? Because I'm like, wait a second, I'm trying to memorize all these scales and memorize all of these avoid notes and all this, and I got I to call BS on it. You don't have to learn that way, right? There is a much better way of learning all of this. And that is by not overloading your brain with scales, right? You don't want to think about all of these other scales. What you really want to think about is you want to think about what are the key scales that you need to make this improvisation sound good, right? That's what we go through in TCI. So here's the other thing that I learned, okay? And I learned a lot of this, you know, through trial and error with teaching these young kids, right? And teaching teenagers and, and adults and young adults how to improvise. So I kind of started with that same approach decades ago. So I had some accompaniments and I would teach a scale and then I would, uh, you know, for instance, I would teach this simple bass line, right? But then I would have like maybe an entire, you know, I would take that whole five finger minor scale and then I would say, okay, well I showed you the bass line, I showed you the five finger minor scale, now go ahead and improvise. And this is what I would get. Um, um, uh, uh, I, I, I can't do it. You know, the student would be like, I, 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 I can't do it, I, I, I don't know what to do. I'm like, well just play any notes from that five finger scale, right? And they'll be like, oh, okay. And they'll be like. And you can hear already that, okay, that obviously doesn't work. Why doesn't it work? Well, let's not even get into the fact that I'm like playing those notes way too heavy and not like playing them very pianistically. But the rhythm is garbage, right? It's terrible. Nobody wants to listen to something like that. So then it dawned on me that that's the secret, okay? The secret is you don't just teach accompaniment and ingredients together. Instead, you teach accompaniment, ingredients, and then rhythm, okay? That's what I've done in the Confident Improviser, right? So you learn these different parts and then learn how to put them together. Right? That's what we're going to be talking about in the next uh, uh, section of this. Okay, So in uh, lesson number three, I'm going to teach you the rhythm, and I'm also going to show you how do you start to put the rhythm together with these ingredients to make up your own improvisational lines. But if you want to try for right now, just to see if you can do it, then go ahead. Right? So take the simple bass line right, from exercise one. You'd have your five finger scale and see if you could come up with something. Now I will tell you this, that bass line has to be steady. Right? That's no good. 
okay? Nice and steady. Now, if you can't do that while playing the right hand, don't worry. In lesson number three, I'm gonna show you exactly how to do it, and you will be able to do it after lesson number three. But give it a go, right? You can give it a try uh, and see if you're able to do it. Uh, and then I just want to remind you, I love my students and every other Thursday for my students at Jazz Edge, I uh, go through and I answer questions on uh, the Confident Improviser, Standards by the Dozen, so students are able to join me live, they can play, they can upload their playing, I give them feedback, I give them practice ideas, tell them you know, what to do, right? They, they'll, they'll, we'll talk theory, you know, so it's a great group of students. And if you're thinking about, hey, look, you know, I'd really like to learn how to improvise, I can tell you the Confident Improviser program, you will be super excited and happy about it. So if you decide to join me at Jazz Edge, just know that you can also get on uh, twice a month and ask me questions. And that's in, in addition to my weekly coaching that I do every Tuesday, all right? So anyway, that's it for this lesson. I know, thank you very much for hanging with me. What do we got, 36 minutes? This was a long lesson, so thank you. Uh, I will see you in lesson number three. I'm gonna start putting all of this stuff together. Exciting stuff, all right? Uh, by the way, if you're on YouTube, be sure to uh, subscribe to the channel. Uh, like the video, turn on notifications, that way you know when these other videos come out. If you're a member of the site and you happen to be watching this, you could go ahead and download the resources right in the members area. All right, guys, I'll see you soon.